Though the disciples struggle with Jesus' nature and identity, they receive the promise that they too will be identified with God and God's mission. Though he must leave them now, Jesus promises the coming of the Advocate, whom God will send to comfort and enlighten them. The Holy Gospel according to John, the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am the Father and the Father is in me, but if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and in fact will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. And if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I invite you to be seated. let us pray. Gracious God, take our lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. And take our hearts and set the fire of the Holy Spirit in them. Amen. have stepped out of the pages of scripture this morning to tell you the story of Pentecost, to share our experience of the wind and the fire, and to wonder aloud with you about what comes next after the wind and fire. Here is how it all started. Not just today on Pentecost, but back a little further, about 50 some days ago. We were all together there in Jerusalem. Well, I guess I should say that we were all still together there in Jerusalem. Some of us were still shaken and fearful. It had been more than a month since Jesus was, well, um, killed. We didn't know if we were also in danger we, we had seen him, though, risen, alive. Jesus had appeared to Mary Magdalene, spoken to her, 
and the other woman, when she and the other women told the rest of us, Peter and John went to see the empty tomb for themselves. Cleopas and his companion had walked with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, talked with him, even shared a meal. They risked coming back to Jerusalem to tell us their story. And Jesus came to us there in the room where he was hiding out. We were heartbroken, scared. We locked the doors of the room. We were staying in against the Roman soldiers, I guess really against the high priest and his servants, against our own people. You know what he said to us? He said, peace be with you. He appeared to us twice in this way. The second time, gently chiding Thomas for not believing unless he saw him with his own eyes, touched his wounds. But all us, most of us, probably needed to see him. We saw him on the beach as well. That time we dared to leave the locked room to go fishing. And he was cooking breakfast for us. And later, we stood together on a peaceful morning, morning hillside to watch Jesus, this man we loved beyond all reason, this man who had turned our lives on end. We watched him rise up into the heavens. So the obvious questions you might be thinking is why were we still in Jerusalem on this day that we want to tell you about? Because he ordered us. Jesus ordered us to wait in Jerusalem, to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We wondered what he meant by that. We wondered if it would be safe to stay in Jerusalem. We wondered how we could go on with our lives without him. Seven weeks after Passover, we Jews celebrate the Feast of Shavuot, marking the wheat harvest and also the giving of the Torah to Moses. We bring two loaves of wheat bread to the temple in gratitude to God. In our time, the Greeks called this celebration Pentecost, meaning 50 days. So, Jerusalem which is a densely populated city anyway, was once again overflowing, bursting with pilgrims and bustling with pilgrims who had come to celebrate Pentecost. Perhaps some of these pilgrims had stayed over after the celebration of Passover. But seven weeks seems like a really long time. I only wondered if some of these people might be the same ones who had shouted, crucify him. We were all sitting about in the house where we had been staying. Perhaps we were still hiding out. We had yet not yet gone to the temple to make a Shavuot offerings. May I this part? Suddenly, suddenly, there was a rush of wind, an explosion of wind, loud, fierce. It filled the whole house. 
And then it was gone, as abruptly as it had come. Wouldn't you think we'd all be frightened? But we weren't. Everything happened so fast that... After the wind, fire! The wind brought us all to our feet. Then something like tongues of fire hovered all about us in the air, one settling onto each of our heads. What happened next? It was probably different for each of us. Here's what I experienced. I saw the tongues of flame all around us in the air and atop each of us. I felt the warmth on my own head. Then that warmth dropped, dropped and spread to fill my whole being and experience as well. Then it was as if the wind and the fire and warmth propelled us out of the house and into the crowded street. Me too. The force of the wind and the fire pushed us out from the safety of the house to, to, tell, about the, to tell the people in the street about Jesus, about his life, about what he did, and what he taught us and what he asks of us. When we stepped outside, a crowd had already gathered there. They had heard that explosive rush of wind and were puzzled, drawn to the house. <laughs> you were speaking fluently about Jesus in a clear, different language, Phrygian. It was a, it was a Phrygian dialect. How did that happen? And you, you had a crowd of Egyptians hanging on your every word. When did you ever learn to speak their language? Mesopotamian. I found myself telling about Jesus' resurrection to a crowd of Mesopotamians. None of them spoke Hebrew, but they were clearly entranced by the story that I was apparently telling them in their own language. Oh, please, don't mistake our delight in telling you our story for, disre for disrespect. We were profoundly privileged to share what we had experienced of Jesus. And what happened to us was not magic or trickery. God's spirit had somehow exploded in our midst, within us as well, and we were changed forever. I forgot to be afraid. If you knew me at all, you would understand that my letting go of my fearfulness was an extraordinary gift that came with the wind and the fire. We weren't appreciated by everyone in that crowd, though. Someone called out over the bustle and noise to say, they're filled with new wine. Another shouted disgustingly, drunkards, every one of them. And Peter, who turned out to be our fearless leader, told the crowd that we couldn't be drunk because it was only nine o'clock in the morning. As if, as if he'd never met anyone so drawn to drink that they would be drunk before noon. But didn't Peter find just the perfect scripture to share with them? 
quoting from the prophet Joel, reminding them of God's promise to pour out his spirit on all flesh. We had the privilege, the gift, the blessing of experience of what Joel wrote. We were washed in the spirit, baptized just as Jesus had promised. And not only us, as we spread out among the people, as we spoke about Jesus, people listened. They must have been hungry for just such words of love and forgiveness, healing and community. Before the day was over, 3,000 of those people were baptized. We understand that this miracle is why we celebrate this day of Pentecost as the day of the beginning of the church. A moment in time when the urge to follow Jesus, to shape lives around his teachings, exploded into the ancient world in much the same way that the wind and the fire had come with explosive power into the house of Jerusalem. And so we celebrate this with you today. Before we go, though, we would like to invite you to imagine the end of that day of Pentecost. Imagine us, the original followers of Jesus, coming back to the house where we had been hiding, coming back exhausted and exhilarated. As we entered the house, we began opening every window that we had closed in fear. I had been the one to make sure that they were kept closed, but now I opened as many as I could with joy, with a kind of wild abandon. Someone had the foresight to bring in bread and wine and cheese. We collapsed on mats all around the largest room, eating quietly at first. Then we began doing what would soon enough become our daily practice at the close of each day. Peter spoke first. After the wind, after the fire, he began. After the amazing events of this day, how then shall we live? How are we going to live the kind of life that Jesus lived among us? How are we to be in this world now? At first, it was quiet, but a comfortable kind of quiet. And then the words came, softly, reflectively. Be the salt of the earth. Welcome the children. Become like children. Love your enemies. Do not worry. Forgive, 70 times, seven times. Welcome the stranger. Let your light shine. Turn the other cheek. Do not judge. Give alms in secret. Go the extra mile. Do as I have done to you. Feed the hungry. Clothe the naked. Care for the sick. 
visit the prisoner. After the wind and fire, after all these intervening years, after hearing again this ancient story, how then shall we live? I keep hearing the words of Jesus. Love one another. Love, Love one, one another. another. Love, Love one, one another. another. Amen.